Welcome once again, Iowa innovators, educators, entrepreneurs, ecosystem builders, and anyone who's interested in finding fresh ways of doing the work that they do right here in Iowa. This is Iowa Innovation, powered by NuboCo and sponsored by Nymaster Good, where we talk each week to leaders in innovation, education, and entrepreneurship. I am your co-host, Rob Merritt, and my guest co-host today is Stacy Teltzler, who has been a member of our team since 2021, but we've known her longer than that because I first met you when you were a student in the Delta V program. So, uh, Stacy, welcome, and uh, yeah, how, how did you find your way to NuboCo? Yeah, so I found my way to NuboCo. Like you said, I took the Delta V coding school uh, program. And through that, after I uh, graduated, I joined the NuboCo team on the Delta V instructional team as we were starting off a partnership to um, teach women in Iowa prisons how to code. And from there, um, joined the client services team in which I work as a software developer for NuboCo. So it's been a journey through NuboCo, but I've loved every second of it. And you've been active also in, uh, we're going to be talking today about diversity and inclusion. And uh, we have two guests who are coming in who work quite a bit in that field. But uh, one of the reasons I thought that it'd be great to have you be part of that conversation is that you've been very involved in those efforts just on our team at NuboCo. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so just recently I stepped into the role of leading our internal DEI committee. So really diving into what our organizational mission is, you know, how that is embedded in our organizational statement, our practices, and the um, services that we provide to our community. So we're lucky because today we actually have two guests here on the podcast. Uh, Our first guest is Stephanie Munsterman. She's the executive director of the Cedar Rapids Civil Rights Commission. But she's also also the adjunct professor of business at Mount Mercy University. And she is the operations director and founder of Strategic Solutions, LLC. So she has a fascinating background. and, uh, And this is a subject that's very passionate to her. So we're extremely excited to have her on. And then we also have Angelica Venata here with us today, who Angelica has been such a strong force for civil and human rights in our community and has worked not only at as part of the United Way of East Central Iowa, but also has been working with the Marion Civil Rights Commission as the chairperson there, as well as the co-chair of Inclusive ICR. We're really excited to speak with both of our guests, not just about the importance of diversity and inclusion, but also about how there are really innovative ways that companies can incorporate diversity and inclusion, ways that uh, you might not have thought of, but that once somebody suggests it, you're like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. You should totally do that. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation and innovate Iowa. This show is sponsored by Nine Master Good, Iowa's largest law firm with offices in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids, and Ames. Nine Master's cutting-edge, positive legal approach has helped businesses of all sizes succeed for more than 100 years. And they have been helping this podcast succeed for one and a half seasons. Nine Master Good sponsored us all through season one. Uh, they believe in the, the stories that we're telling, and uh, they're here with us again for season two. And uh, we're about to have a conversation about diversity and inclusion uh, in the workplace. And the thing is, if you have questions about the workplace, uh, Nine Master Good 
has attorneys who specifically specialize in labor and employment for the smallest startup, the largest manufacturer, and really every business in between. Uh, Nymaster offers a full range of employment services uh, for prevention, planning, dispute resolution, or any legal employment matter. Nymaster's labor and employment attorneys provide effective, cost-efficient representation. Absolutely. With more than 70 practice areas, Nymaster has attorneys with expertise in all areas of law, including corporate structure, capital raising, intellectual property protection, tax planning, employee benefits, labor and employment law, and government relations and litigation. So visit Nymaster.com. That's N-Y-E master.com to learn more about what Nymaster Good can do for you. So, Angelica, Stephanie, welcome to the studio. Thanks for coming on Iowa Innovation. We're thrilled to have you. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. So, uh, so both of you do a lot of work with the Civil Rights Commission, and uh, and I know we're going to be talking about uh, diversity and inclusion efforts in the workplace in a second. But um, but can you talk a little bit just about what uh, what you do specifically for the commission? Sure. I um, this is Stephanie. I work with the Cedar Rapids Civil Rights Commission. And I'm the executive director. Uh, prior to being a director, I was an investigator for about 10 years. And so our office is responsible for enforcing civil rights laws, um, ensuring people are not being discriminated against in employment, housing, education, credit, and public accommodations. And so if somebody files a complaint of discrimination, uh, feeling they're being treated unfairly based upon a different protected class, such as you know, race, gender, sexual orientation, um, disability, et cetera, uh, we investigate that. And we also do mediations. Another large aspect of our work is the outreach and training side. Uh, for example, I'll go out and speak to schools about um, civil rights. Uh, when I speak to littler ones, I talk about more about just being kind and welcoming. Um, I've also you know, given like ADA, American with Disabilities Act um, training. So um, outreach is more of our proactive arm um, and of course, the investigation is more the reactive arm, um, just as important because uh, unfortunately, discrimination does occur in our community, um, not just here in Cedar Rapids. Of course, it's a nationwide and frankly global issue, but the most um, common um, areas are employment um, and housing. And the two most common protected classes are race and disability um, with gender, um, kind of going back and forth with disability. So that's the aspect of what our office does. Yeah. And so I actually met Stephanie when I first joined the Marion Civil Rights Commission. So Marion and Cedar Rapids both have two separate uh, run commissions. Marion is a all volunteer run commission and your appointments are appointed by Mayor Abu Asli or the mayor of Marion. Uh, and then Cedar Rapids has an executive director and staff. But Stephanie was the senior investigator at the mm -hmm. time I joined the Marion Civil Rights Commission and trained me and taught me all the things I know. Um, about civil rights, but I've been serving with the Marion Civil Rights Commission for um, a couple of years now. I served a three-year term in 2016, took a short break, um, was working in the Iowa City area, but still very engaged within the Marion community. And when I started with employment back in Cedar Rapids, I thought, you know, it's really something that was personally important to me and I wanted to be more involved. And it was an opportunity to feel like I was a part of creating that change. I think mm -hmm. sometimes we talk about creating change. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a point where we can only talk about it so much. And this was an opportunity to really feel like we were creating that welcoming, inclusive space in 
the city of Marion. So I actually just volunteer uh, on that commission. I am currently serving as the chair of the commission through the remainder of this year. Um, and then my term ends in 2023 or maybe 2024. I'm actually not sure. Um, and then Stephanie, of, Stephanie and I, of course, also volunteer as co-chairs of Inclusive ICR. Um, and then I work professionally for United Way, doing a lot of their community outreach and engagement. So all three of those things I mentioned, because that's really what my goal is, is to help build community within the Cedar Rapids metro area. But in particular for people who feel like they're underrepresented or often not heard, there aren't a lot of people who look like me in this community um, and certainly not in the town that I grew up in. Um, so I want to make sure that it's a space that other people feel like they're not the only one anymore. And that's really a part of what we do too with Inclusive ICR and trying to make a more inclusive, diverse and welcoming workforce. Well, you know, speaking of making change happen, you know, one of the reasons we were so excited to get you onto the podcast was uh, I was reading the article in the Gazette uh, just about a week ago Mm -hmm. that was talking about the, um, that was talking about the diversity index and uh, which is a looks like it'll be a fantastic resource for employers, and uh, and I just uh, would you talk a little bit about the index and kind of how it came to be and how employers can uh, how employers can use that in order to basically basically make their own diversity efforts. Uh, to basically make them better, to do a better job. Yeah, well, and I think really the purpose of this index is to give employers or businesses who participated in this index um, some framework and to prioritize their efforts because there is so much we can do, right? And I think sometimes we... Um, are so fearful of getting it wrong or where do we start and we're not brave enough just to jump in, right? So this index will at least give some framework for that. But it really came about um, as a part of the strategic planning that Inclusive ICR did a couple of years ago. And just to kind of give you some context on Inclusive ICR, it's a coalition of about 200 companies in the Cedar Rapids and Iowa City area who all have a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we get to on a regular basis. We have bi-monthly education programs um, and then also helping to build connections and relationships in the community, but creating that space where DEI practitioners or people who work within the DEI space can learn more um, about best practices from each from each other and just kind of um, talking through what things have worked for them and what hasn't. Um, so then a couple of years ago, the executive committee or the advisory council of inclusive ICR was going through strategic planning and realized how much there was a need for an assessment um, because there are many incredible um, assessments that can be done, um, but sometimes they are within not within budget for your smaller organizations. I think that was the other thing we wanted to do was to make this accessible. So that's why we also reached out to some partners who helped fund this effort. So Iowa Business Partnership, um, Iowa City Area Development, and the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance um, were all together to help us be able to even deliver this mm-hmm. index. So it was decided that something needed to be done to help provide a baseline for organizations on where they could go. Um, and like I said, also that framework on where you should jump mm-hmm. in first right. um, and hopefully not drown <laughs> while you're at it. <laughs> um, so it actually really took, I'd say, 
a year and a half, um, maybe even full two years to get to implementation. Um, and we worked with a Reliant, which is an organization out of Oklahoma, who worked with a similar coalition as Inclusive ICR in offering this sort of index to their business partners. Um, and so it was working with them to also make sure that the questions that were asked were the sorts of things that we wanted to know in Eastern Iowa, um, because obviously two different states two different community areas. So what was important to us? Um, and then, you know, I think as far as um, some of the other background work we did is we put together a resource guide so that when companies received their personalized reports, um, it wasn't just here's your information, but we also helped guide them into some other like best practices they could follow. Because this is something that um, I think more and more companies are realizing that they need um outside support. So whether it's a, a third party, a consultant, or it's an internal staff person, at least this helps provide um, some guidance. So that's kind of a little bit of history um, on the index and how we got to where we're at today. Well, it's it's definitely been, uh, I think, in, especially in recent years, you know, companies are really starting to ask hard mm-hmm. questions that I think weren't being asked even five or six years ago. Um, Stacy, in fact, has been working quite a bit within Nuboco. Um, we've been doing, we've been having our own internal conversations about what we can do, um, not, you know, to improve diversity and inclusion, and more importantly, to just be aware, to be aware of it. Um, and and Stacy can talk in more detail about why that's been important. But um, but it's it's been very illuminating for me. Mm-hmm. You know, we did a we did a, an internal questionnaire only about a month ago, and and I'll be totally honest. When we started, I was like, "Look, I'm the straight white guy. Why does anybody care what I think about?" You know, but then as I started to take the questionnaire, like, "Okay, I'll do it," you know, and there were some really good probing questions that mm-hmm. I was like, "You know, I hadn't really thought about this issue or this one," and. You know, and then I was realizing, hey, you know, if 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 I feel this way, I'm sure a lot of other people feel this way, and there's a really good opportunity to learn. So, so huge props to to Stacy mm-hmm. for sending that out because I will admit that when I started, I was like, I don't really, <laughs> you know. And Stacy was very good; she was very persistent. She she kept sending out reminders like, hey, yes, there's like Excellent. half the team has done this, and there's half the team who have not. I'm not going to name names, but, but, uh, but Friday is coming, <laughs> and Rob, you need to do the questionnaire. <laughs> Before you go on vacation, I haven't gotten this from you. So I, I give I give Stacy credit for you know good whip cracking on that because because uh, you made me do it and I'm really glad that you did because it was mm-hmm. very it was I, I learned a lot but um I mean if you want to talk some more about uh, about kind of what we're trying to do and why it's important. Yeah, so similarly to what you both talked about, you know, trying to gauge our organization, like digging in on an internal level of where our organizational attitudes are. You know, where is every where is each person. Um, in their current like journey into you know um, in their commitment to improving DEI uh, in what they in their role in their um, in their team as well as in our organization and so really like you said getting at those questions um, so that you know we can then influence our organizational DEI statement and what our vision is and what our mission is and also where our gaps are, you know, where things that we really need to dig into. Um, What are we not emphasizing that needs to be emphasized? Um, And I think, you know, Rob brought up, you know, his feelings towards the questions (laughs) as he read them. But and and so it's important of like, how do we gauge those attitudes? Like Mm -hmm. not necessarily wanting 
people's ad, our, our or people in our organizations like advice of what should we do for this? But what do you feel like, you know, from your perspective, you know, what where is your kind of head at of action steps that we need to take? Um, but then it's always a question of how do we craft those questions in a way that really gets at that without necessarily making people feel like we're asking them to speak for another community. Sure. Well, and I just wanted to say, too, when you were mentioning, you know, being the white male in the space, honestly, this work won't be able to move forward if it isn't for your voice right. and for the white male to feel like they are truly a part of this conversation. Um, you know, and I think that that is probably a little bit of a shift in some of the thinking. Um, you know, obviously, it is very important to have the experience and perspectives of, uh, you know, uh, person of color or someone experiencing a disability. Um, however, we are not going to be able to make the traction that we need without white men. <laughs> well, well, kind of along that, that same line, what are some of the biggest obstacles that you've seen as you've as you've worked on these efforts and tried to get companies to proactively, I mean, any company, if you ask them, like, well, no, no, we, we, uh, we believe in equality and uh, we, we, you know, the best person for the job. But when you actually tell them, look, it's, it's, that's not enough. It's not enough to just say, oh no, we'll, we'll look at anybody. It's like, you have to proactively make efforts to increase you know, diversity and inclusion and to make sure people feel welcomed and included. Um, what are some of the biggest obstacles that you find when you talk to employers about how these efforts need to happen and more needs to be done? I would say two of the biggest things are, um, wow, it's hard to narrow it down to just a couple. <laughs> um, intentionality yep, that's what I was and um, consistency over time. So I will say a little bit back history, uh, working with the Civil Rights Commission, um, it's been an interesting shift. Um, and I can clearly label it down to March 25th, I'm sorry, May 25th, 2020, mm -hmm. um, when George Floyd was murdered, which is actually also my birthday. And oh, so it's very oh. easy to remember. Yes. But it's, it's a good reminder because that is when um, people were coming to us, the Civil Rights Commission. I will be frank, oftentimes we had to a chase organization saying you need to have, you know, civil rights um, policies. You need to have intentionality and consistency and your diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. And it was a lot of um, stepping back, saying, um, "I don't want to do that. We don't want to offend somebody." You know, uh, but now they're coming to us, say, "Hey, what do we do? What do we do?" Um, we, I'll be frank. Again, uh, we saw a huge spike um, during 2020. It's dropping off because. Um, we I'm sorry, you saw a huge spike in, in interest? In, or in interest huge? of people okay. reaching out to us um, for trainings, for um, what do I do? Um, I'm a white person. How do I best support my black friends? Um, I'm a person of um, with a, dis of a family member with a disability. How I best support him or her or them? And so, but I have seen a decline in the number of responses, but I'm still looking at our outreach numbers. Um, it's higher than it was pre-2020. Um, which is exciting, but it's also a little overwhelming um, because we're a small staff. But I would say coming back to the intentionality of um, understanding the purpose of it, um, I hear this a lot in my work, and I am passionate about DEI. I am passionate about civil rights. I am passionate about equity. I'm like, that is wonderful. Um, passion is nothing unless there's action. Mm -hmm. And I kind of joke I'm from Missouri, which is a show me state. <laughs> and so I'm like, show me. You know, show me your action plans. Show me how you've been 
intentionally included this consistently in your strategic plans and your ability to, um, some organizations have embedded it into their performance reviews. Um, some organizations have it created the um, affinity, affinity groups. Um, some organizations have said, let's be intentional about where we volunteer or where we donate our money. Um, then, of course, there's the five pillars from the DI index as well, from commitment, but down to who are your suppliers? Are you very clear um, about who who is your, because as a human, as an individual, I am very intentional about who I have as, you know, who's going to come do flooring in my house? Is it going to be a big company or a local person? Um, a local person might be more expensive, but I want to give different people opportunities. And that seems to be what um, organizations need to do. And then um, I do have, um, there's like two ways in which I talk about DEI sometimes. One is, um, well, it's just the right thing to do. I mean, <laughs> that's usually just, my answer. I was like, yeah. why don't you want to do it? Just, it's the right thing to just, do. I wouldn't be a good civil rights person if I didn't quote MLK, but he said the time is always right to do what is right. And that's, um, it can be challenging because when you do this work, you are putting yourself out there. Um, it's a little bit less risky. I'm a white woman, cisgender white woman, and I present as a cisgender white woman. And so I have that privilege. But if I don't use that privilege, then what is my purpose? And so, um, but then there's other um, ways in which I talk about it, if more like the ROI on DEI. <laughs> that sounds so catchy. Um, but, you know, what is your return investment? You know, what is your, you know, people profit planet? You know, all those three Ps and stuff. So there is a huge investment, um, return of investment when you look into it. And especially when you move beyond just diversity, equity, inclusion metrics, and you start talking about belonging. And belonging is, um, is a, not a term I've come up with. It's been studied for several years now, but um, it's, what ability do you as an individual have to co-create um, systems, co-create policies? You have co-agencies. Um, for example, um, you know, this is my organization. You can come in and you might have something to say. Um, that's kind of what we think about diversity, equity, inclusion. You can say something. You can't do anything about it. Belonging is you come in and we create. This is our system. This is our organization. This is how we all feel like we belong and are able to um, have voice, meaningful voice. And so, and then when you look at studies who talk about belonging, um, there's much higher turnover rate when people feel they don't belong. People are like, I'm out. And there's mm -hmm. much higher um, turnover rate when there's micro biases. Um, there's uh, health issues that have come of that. People are less healthy when they don't feel that they belong. And so there's all these really great studies that talk about, you know, Yes, it is the right thing to do, bottom line. But if your currency is um, needing to have an ROI, there is actual currency that you can attribute to. And I'll talk about that forever. So I'll stop. <laughs> well, and honestly, too, I was like, I wonder if I can do two. Like, will they give us, you can answer two and I'll give two challenges. But then I started to add a couple of more. So, I mean, clearly this work isn't easy, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, the point in... Um, if you have dedicated staff who are passionate but also recognize the business case for this, that's what's going to help you overcome the challenges um, of doing this work. Yeah, I, I like what you said about, um, you know, intentionality and consistency. I think that that kind of connects something to something I've, I've noticed of, of taking the ideals and that 
the organizational attitude and values, but how do we translate it into action? Yes. How do we make those actionable steps? And I think I, you, I love what you said about intentionality, right? And the intentionality behind that building, baking, you know, things into your processes that can, you know, overall work towards your DEI mission, right? Um, and, and also what you said about ROI, right? I mm -hmm. think a lot of times, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to disability, right? Yes. Um, organizations might see, for example, what interpretation services will cost or mm -hmm. what all these other accommodations might um, cost upfront without necessarily realizing or or the time, you know, if it's mm -hmm. a, in tech, the time it takes to allocate towards making sure your website or your app is accessible, right? And focusing on that short-term cost rather than that long-term gain. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny too how, you know, sometimes it's little things that you don't even think about and you, and people make you aware of something that, oh, you know, you could be doing this and it just takes you a little bit more time. It may not occur to you at first, but wow, it helps all these people. Um, I mean, a perfect example actually is when, when Stacy came on board our team, uh, Stacy, in addition to being a master coder and all kinds of other really cool mm -hmm. skills, uh, Stacy is also a, uh, she also is a sign language interpreter mm -hmm. and, uh, works quite a bit with the deaf community. And now I've done a lot of video work for years and years. I've produced video for, for different organizations and, I'd never really given too much thought to captions. You know, it was mm -hmm. like, well, you know, a lot of times YouTube does like the auto caption thing, stuff like that. But uh, most of the time it'd be just like, oh, the video's done, get it online, sweet, mm -hmm. it's out there. And and Stacy, upon coming on board, really started pushing the idea that, hey, um, we really need to make sure any video that we put out there has captions on it because there's a whole segment of the population that can't experience it unless you do this. And, uh, and now it's something that we're very aware of, mm -hmm. um, which, and, and it's just something that it's, you know, it's not like, oh, I was deliberately trying to ignore the deaf community or anything. It just didn't even occur to me that, mm -hmm. oh, you know, captions really, really are important for, to make sure that we always, we always include this. And so, uh, so, you know, I'm hugely appreciative actually that you, you know, made us aware of that. And, uh, and I think that as a general rule, anytime in an organization that people are made aware, hey, you can... Mm -hmm. All you got to do is just, it's not a huge thing. You know, you, you change this, add this one feature or change this one thing that you do or make sure you're always thinking about this and suddenly you're reaching more people or being accessible to more people. And I think that that's, that's really important. So, you know, people are always thinking of like these huge diversity efforts, but sometimes it's like the little things, it's the small things that really do make an impact mm -hmm. and they don't add a lot to your workload to do them. Uh, it's just being aware and making sure you don't forget. Yeah. That's one of well, my favorite. Oh. Oh. <laughs> See, I knew this was going to happen at some point. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things when I'm giving a training or talking about different topics around DEI or, or uh, social justice or civil rights is when someone is like, oh, I have never had that experience. I didn't even know that was a thing. So I, I liked, I've had some people come up, not like during the training, they're like, hey, I never experienced that. Uh, but they come up to me afterwards and say, I did not have any idea that people live through that. Yeah. Um, same thing. And, you know, as you're talking about small things, you know, I think one very, very small thing is pronouns. Like my name is Stephanie. I go by she, her. I have that in my email signature. I have that on my Facebook, on my LinkedIn, on my Zoom, on my Teams, on my name badge, on my presentation, everywhere possible. Yeah, and I feel like you posted something about that just like a week or two ago. I, I remember reading it. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. and it was, it was a really good perspective on it. It's, it's such an easy, and for me, it's, uh, it's no risk. Because, again, I'm white cisgender, um, straight female, uh, straight woman. And um, so it, 
signifies to some people that I'm a safe person to talk to about it. Um, I'm a safe person. I will respect you. I will respect you as a human. Um, I'm not going to dead name you. Um, dead name is when somebody is transgender and you refer back to their previous name. Um, some people do that um, or just misgendering in general. Um, so it's, it's really, it's such an important aspect. It's like somebody's name. You know, you respect that. There's yeah. been many times where uh, my own name, it's uh, Stephanie Munsterman, and it's been mispronounced many times. But um, this happens a lot with immigrants and refugees. Mm -hmm. And it's OK if you mess up. The problem is if you mess up and you don't even try um, or you say, oh, let me just call you Alex instead of the full name, because you're completely um, rejecting a whole portion of their humanity. And so those are a couple small things. Call them by the right pronouns. Call them by the right names. Call them what they want you to call them. Yeah. Those are free. Well, and I have a couple of examples. And funny enough, I was literally going to say about the same thing about, you know, having um, those diverse perspectives that are brought in to an organization. And I just wanted to share, too, I think what's incredible um, is when you had new staff coming on board, they felt brave enough to even bring it up, right? So mm -hmm. there's been a space that's mm -hmm. been created that allows new staff person to be like, hey, you know what, I actually work um, with the deaf community and sign language, and I think it would be really important to add uh, closed mm -hmm. captioning or captioning. It may not be the case with other organizations. So kudos to your organization yes. for creating that safe and brave space for new staff to be able to say something. And kudos for being willing to make those statements. And I often say that, um, you know, diversity invites diversity. Inclusion invites inclusion. Um, so your perspective you're bringing to the table. And um, I think to Stephanie's point, talking about pronouns, right? Um, we talk about that quite often, I think, mm -hmm. in our um, personal and professional social medias. Um, but because of those conversations that we've had and people who know us, um, another um, program that I'm involved in reached out to me recently and said, you know, um, there is an overnight stay to this component and we want to make sure that we are gender inclusive of non-binary and transgender individuals. How do we address this? We also want people to be able to feel comfortable using their pronouns. How do we do that? Mm -hmm. So I worked with that um, organization and said, this is what we should do. Um, and really starting to educate all of the other people that are a part of that. So I don't think that, um, and I think maybe a couple of years ago, it might have been harder to have that conversation. And now people are more willing to have that conversation. Um, another quick little example, too, is that in the connections that I've built in the community, obviously people know that diversity, equity, and inclusion is important to me. And I've had people um, reach out, and one in particular who was um, challenged with finding an internship for a blind student. Mm -hmm. um, and so because they know I work for a nonprofit organization and they know that I have created an inclusive and welcoming space, they reached out to me and said, hey, I don't even know if there is an opportunity for this student to come and work with your organization. Is there a project that's in alignment with what they want to do? And ultimately, they want to be a teacher for the blind community. Mm -hmm. um, so we had that individual come in um, and do an assessment, um, an accessibility assessment of our space. We would nice. not probably have even gone that way um, had we not been contacted about that student needing an internship. We wouldn't have been contacted about that student needing an internship if I wasn't so vocal in, you know, creating those spaces. So just a couple of stories that I think align with that messaging that you guys shared. So um, 
you know, one of the things we really focus on on this podcast is innovation. <clears throat> Obviously, Iowa innovation. <laughs> Crazy that that's a topic what? we talk about. Um, but, uh, and this is such a broad topic. You know, mm-hmm. diversity and inclusion is a, is a huge thing for, you know, there's so many ways you can come at it. But are there any particularly innovative approaches that you've seen any companies taking recently as far as as far as creating a more inclusive environment? I mean, is there anything that stands out in your mind of, oh, I remember I saw this one thing that was really clever and really innovative. Does anything like that pop into your mind? Well, there's a couple. One is, um, I mentioned this earlier, but, you know, having a statement around, we think DEI is important. That's, that's good. I mean, that's a start. Um, but how are you embedding that into your processes? Um, I mentioned earlier, some people are putting that into like the performance reviews. Um, what are you doing as an individual, as a leader to um, ensure that your team um, feels they are included, that they belong, um, that your team is diverse? And a question I often get is, um, I'm, re- I'm trying to recruit people of color. How do I get people of color in my organization? Fair question. I understand it. Um, but that becomes challenging because we also don't want to do tokenization mm-hmm. of, okay, we need to fill this cube into this little square hole. or And um, so it comes back down to relationships and connections. What are you doing um, to develop those relationships? Um, going out in the community. Um, another thing I've also seen is just bearing it all out. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my data. This is where we're low. This is where we're high. Just the whole idea of transparency, that takes a lot of courage, um, a lot of courage, because you're really just putting yourself out there. Um, like Angelica said, this work is hard. And then to put it like a, a bullseye on your back, I'm saying, okay, we're good this, this, and this. Boy, we are really bad at this. Um, but that just shows the rest of the community that this is a priority for this organization. And then also these are the specific action steps that they're taking to ensure that they're you know, bolstering up those areas. So the transparency, embedding it into their actual policies and procedures, and truly building those relationships with people who may look or act or believe differently. And we also need to remember that, you know, diversity, um, a lot of times people think of diversity as, you know, color or gender. Um, the largest growing group of diverse, um, of a marginalized population is individuals with disabilities. And as you know, they can be physical. You can see them. Um, there's a lot of invisible disabilities. And we need to be aware of that as a society because at any second, anybody can be someone who experiences disability. And it's ensuring how are we, our policies um, in any way, shape, or form, are they impacting people disproportionately or negatively? Um, it might look neutral on his face. Um, it like might look fair in his face, um, but like you know, a sick policy, for example. You know, be, I understand um, people get sick, people have abused them, um, but being clear on your your willingness to accommodate. You know, somebody might need to take more breaks because of medicine that they're taking, or they might need a break because they have high anxiety and they need to take a step back. And so I've seen companies do those kind of things where. Um, most reasonable accommodations do not cost anything. Um, most of them really don't. Uh, and if you have any questions about that, feel free to give me a call. But um, I think it's just the just being clear on you're there to support your people um, and the transparency and the abetting. 
Yeah, I think those are all great. Things because again, I think a lot of it is kind of some of the small things, right? Yes. Uh, things like you know allowing your staff to add their pronouns in their signature line. Also, um, you know, I've seen in because the, the HR pro- process, like the recruitment process, I think is a lot of the focus of these DEI efforts. But things like um, uh, sharing your interview questions before the interview, because some people mm. have high anxiety about interview and this will help them put their best foot forward. Um, and people who maybe just aren't as, um, you know, prepared prior to an interview, they can be more prepared. Um, things like, uh, redacting names from applications so that names that sound, um, not, uh, you know, white cisgender types of names, um, you know, you're not automatically excluding them or, you know, there is that bias Mm -hmm. that occurs. Right. Um, and you're not afraid to like pick up the phone or send them an email. Those are a couple of the small things, um, that I think of, you know, a few other things, um, that is in alignment with what Stephanie said, obviously incorporating it into your strategic plan and into your mission, but making sure that it's a part of your daily work, right? Um, You know, one thing that we try to do or I try to do in any um, group setting that I'm in is to start meetings with a mission moment. And sometimes it's a matter of someone sharing a DEI related topic. Um, sometimes it's a specific issue that we'll just discuss, but really it's, it's all about that intentionality. Mm-hmm. It's that longevity and continuing to keep that conversation going. So yeah, I don't know if there's this like really cool, innovative thing that people are doing. Um, the fact that they're doing it alone is the win. I, yeah. And I think that's a really, really good point that you just saying, oh, you know, people focus so much on hiring when you talk about diversity and inclusion, but there are a lot of things that the existing workforce can do to be more inclusive, to be more aware. So to end this, you know, awesome conversation on on a high note, I'd love to hear in the work that you've been doing with inclus- inclusive ICR and everything, you know, what are some, um, what kind of stands out in your mind as um, a successful initiative locally or, um, you know, a success or out successful outcomes that you have seen in our community? Is there any, you know, specific instance that stands out to you? In the community in general, shoot, I was going to say specific about inclusive ICR and I'm still going to go that yeah, way yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because, um, you know, we talked a lot about the index and the assessment itself, but we haven't had a chance to talk about the resource guide that was created. And honestly, it was such a great um, team effort by other members of the Advisory Council of Inclusive ICR. So these are people who work within the companies that we're talking about, right? And I don't believe any of them have that specific diversity, equity, and inclusion manager title, and that's not their whole role. Uh, so there were several of us who took one of the each of the five pillars and, um, you know, wrote out a sort of a a a loose best practice guide. I mean, it's really to inform the organization, like what this pillar is about. And here are some additional resources that you can, um, uh, look into. And I mean, that was probably a six month process Mm -hmm. for us to be able to put that together. Um, and that was on top of also serving in other capacities for inclusive ICR. So frankly, I think, um, you know, just even, getting that resource guide created was an absolute win for us. So that's what I'm going with. Stephanie? (laughs) Over to you, Stephanie. (laughs) Um, I think just the willingness and the interest and the action that organizations are taking to, one, take the index, um, the understanding that this is um, vital 
um, diversity is here. I mean, that's nothing we have changed um, from today to yesterday. And diversity is here. What do we do about it? How do we make people feel that they belong? And so I think the fact that so many organizations have the courage to take a hard look at themselves because uh, looking in the mirror is one of the hardest things. We're so self-critical as humans as well as organizations. So the fact that they took the assessment and are willing to start digging into uh, what can they do better. And we're hoping that this continues. Um, we feel this is kind of like the foundation um, on which we're hoping to build. Because as you know, workforce is tough right now. And so in order for us to remain competitive, um, with other cities, with other communities, we really have to make sure um, that we're shooting our shot. I mean, are we making it? Are we making people want to stay? So not only is it good for the individuals um, to find their place, it's good for the organizations, but then it's also good for the region as a whole in the state of Iowa. Frankly, um, if more people are coming to stay because we're inclusive, um, it's much better for us overall. We talked a lot today about the index. If, if people listening want to know more about it, is there a resource online where they can where they can learn more about the index, how it works, how it can be used? Yeah, they can go to the Inclusive ICR website, which is just inclusiveicr.org. Um, you will see the regional report that has the aggregated data of everyone who participated in the index. Um, and then our hope is to have this index offered to companies each year. So obviously you can see your growth from the baseline to year after after a year. Uh, so companies who might be interested in the future can certainly partake. Um, and I imagine we'll probably plan to do it around the same time every year in the spring. So yeah, inclusiveicr.org. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, Angelica, I cannot thank the two of you enough for coming on and chatting with us. This has been a really, really good conversation. And I think you're doing really, really cool work. Um, like, like I said, when I saw the Gazette article, I was like, oh, we got to get them on the podcast. This is really, really cool. So uh, so thank you. And thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, thank well, you so yeah. much. Thank you so honor. much for inviting us. And we do appreciate this opportunity to continue to share the message around the community. Thanks so much to our guests, Stephanie and Angelica, for coming on the show. Uh, you can certainly find both of them on LinkedIn. And if you want to learn more about ICR Iowa and their efforts, uh, you can head to icriowa.org and read up on Inclusive ICR, which is a fantastic program. Uh, by the way, if you love the show, please subscribe and leave us a review. And you can also visit our blog, nubo.co slash blog, to find key takeaways summarized and detailed. I don't know. I thought this was a really good conversation, Stacey. I loved it. I thought there were so many great nuggets of inspiration that companies can take away as they look into their DEI efforts. Is there one piece in particular that really like stands out for you, something that you're going to take away from this conversation today? Yeah, I, I loved what they said about transparency and how to increase transparency in your organization, and how that can be an innovative way to um, increasing your and strengthening your DEI efforts. I liked talking about how so many people, when they hear diversity and inclusion, their minds immediately jump to hiring, but that there are so many things you can do with your existing workforce to implement, the, you know, that that's, that's not something you immediately think of. And then as soon as they said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally true. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot of programming. There's a lot of, uh, well, and I think that's some of what you're doing right now with, with your work, with talking to the staff about what can we do even within Nuboco to, uh, to better promote diversity and inclusion. So yeah, great conversation. Really, really grateful that they came on board. So this podcast is produced and distributed by the LAS Media Group. For more information, go to lasmediagroup.com. 
And finally, we sure would love it if you would consider donating to NuboCo. Your contributions to our nonprofit really help us continue to serve innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs all across the state of Iowa. So if you'd like to learn more, visit nubo.co slash donate. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Thanks again for being here, Stacy, and for being a guest host. Uh, I think we had a really good time. And uh, I hope everybody tunes in for our next episode. We have a fantastic lineup coming this season. We have got 15 episodes, uh, and there are some really good guests that we're lining up. So hopefully you will be here to join us for the next episode. And until then, keep innovating. Don't stop believing. That's right. I quote a journey. Don't stop believing. Hold on to innovation. This is why I'm not a songwriter. Diversity, inclusion. Oh. Yeah, that just happened. <laughs> You're keeping that in right now. Just kidding. <laughs> That's what we're going just kidding. Just kidding.